Welcome to the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Trav. This is Blix. This is Amber. This is Paul. Welcome to the TriTech Games Podcast. Your podcast of finding somebody that's really special, no matter what they look like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this week, we are breaking from our family-friendly demeanor, and we are going to get wild and crazy with the topic of alien love. We are not talking about alien mating rituals. We are talking about inner species getting down and funky. Yes. This is going to be an explicit podcast, which means that we are going to be talking about adult subjects, of bodily functions, and things like that, We are not going to be using obscenities and things like that. For those of you who are listening to our podcast and don't look at things like, you know, tags like explicit or whatever that are on the various podcatchers and such, we just want to give you this warning right now that, you know, if if you have young ears or sensitive ears, we may go some places where the squick factor is pretty high. So we just want to give you fair warning now. Yes, we will be using medically accurate terminology, as Amber just put in our Skype chat. We will be being as biologically correct as possible. Now, wait a second. We will be using euphemisms like crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Not just the medically accurate terms, I'm sure. (laughs) Let's try to keep from offending sensitive ears as much as possible, because that's not what we're here for. This is not some kind of a hookup alien show. We're talking about alien love. It may be the love that cannot speak its name, but it's love, okay? Exciting and new. Come aboard. <laughs> or your IDF explorer has just wandered out into the ville. Right. Hoo-coo, boom, boom. Right. So again, we're talking about where one race and another race becomes attracted romantically sexually, uh, and seek intimacy with each other. Trav, how does something like this happen? Well, obviously there's going to be a matter of proximity. If you have two IDET explorers or two bureau agents or two ca- uh, crew members on the Ardana Nu or aboard a ship in FTL 2448 space or even hardwired hinterlands, We're going to be covering a lot of games tonight. By proximity, you develop feelings and and a dynamic toward another sentient being, and things happen. And it could be vastly different. And we're we're going to be going from human to mixy to uh, something that John suggests in the old TriTech forums, um, the sentient animals in hardwired hinterland 
folks, we're going to go there tonight. But usually these these dynamics, these relationships come about by just proximity with each other. You interact and just something sparks. See, we're talking about intelligent beings here. That's not something we have an experience with in our own world outside of our own species. Okay, but in a world like a fantasy world or a science fiction world, especially a, a high science world, you have the possibilities of developing a love of the mind, which then translates into a desire for physical intimacy, is very possible. I mean, it's really Beauty and the Beast, right, Trev? Yeah, yeah. You have just somebody who is unlike you and just something is there. And it's going to probably start psychologically, obviously. It's going to start because that that's where all it starts. It's, it's a f- psychological attraction. You just feel a compatibility, a spark, and then you're going to go about trying to somehow express physically. You have joined the most secret government agency that you have never heard of. The 13th Bureau of Justice, otherwise known as Bureau 13. You are a government agent charged with the duty of disposing of the greatest unnatural threats to the people and the, and the economy of the United States and Canada. You will work under the knowledge that you are funded by an organization so secret, even the highest government officials do not know of your existence. Welcome to the elite band of people who wander the dark streets of the night, ever searching for the horrors that should not exist in this modern age. You are a special agent, stalking the night fantastic. Year 13 is a Gen Con award-winning RPG of modern horror and paranormal adventure. It's available from Tritag Games at TritagGames.com in both the original editions and in the D20 edition, with a new Savage Worlds edition coming soon. Remember that wherever the supernatural waits, good and evil, the agents of Year 13 will be there. But the evil is growing. Chris, that does bring up the other aspect, though. You get home, you, you're going through all this, all this stuff, but you also be getting emails for cer- from certain um, cinematic opportunities that you could have with your with your partner on the internet for pay. <laughs> Interspecies porn, are we saying? It makes you love three ninety nine a minute. I think that that's probably would be one of the ways of breaking the ice. Breaking the ice, yeah, because. I mean, there's zombie porn. There's all kinds of weird stuff on the internet right now. And therefore, it would be one way of people who had an interest, a curiosity about it. It would be a way of them actually seeing the possibilities and slowly bringing a a slight level of acceptance. I mean, of course, the people that are revolted would never watch that stuff. Right. But I'm just saying, as a society, the fact that there are video records of people having intercourse with each other does at least make it so that people can wrap their minds around it a little better. There would have to be these various races that are going, okay, now let me get this straight. You're going to videotape me doing this and you're going to show this on your, your world's computer networks. Really? This is what you guys like to do? This is Demixie going, you want me to do what with what part of my body? Yeah. Just I, I could see that just going over like, you know, a lead balloon. <laughs> yeah. I want to tape you laying eggs. 
Like, <laughs> <what>? <laughs> but you know what? Hey, real quick, something I keep I keep thinking about. We're talking about this. You know, uh, one of the other issues that comes up is is the the byproduct of of, of you know you're, you're in between. So you know, you get your partner pregnant, um, and we already have enough problems with abortion and stuff here. You know, when does an egg become a person? You know, you'd have all those kind of questions as well. You know, it's like right away. What's that? Well, I'm just saying. Obviously. Obviously. Well, well it depends on the culture. According to the Tazeel, not until it cracks open and comes home. Yeah. Not, not until it punches its way through the side of the egg? No, no, not until it walks back into the village. And yeah. Remember, we talked about it. The lizards out there eat them. It's okay. Whatever walks into the village is a person and is welcomed into whichever family wants it. Now, can you imagine, you know, you got a human that's mating with a Tazeel. They, they figure out some way to make it happen. He wears like a Tremelin fun suit. Okay. They figure out a way. So she lays the egg. You know, she's back at her at, at the house waiting for her kids or kid or whichever one makes it to come in. And, uh, you know, I was like, we can't just let them eat our child. She's like, don't be such a wimp. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What do you want a weakling as a son? As right, it's like yeah. it's like no, but that's my boy. It's not your boy till it walks in the door. <laughs> that's the kind of discussions that you and another species would have. Hey, French were these visiting a Tazil village during the the hatchling time, and the, here comes the hatchlings walking in. The, the few, the proud, the uh, survivors. And they they walk up to Zeal and grab, latch a hold of a leg, and you're you're now a proud parent. So they're standing watching things. All of a sudden, they're sitting latched onto the leg, look down, and they go, "Congratulations, you're a father." Oh yeah, yeah, that could happen. Sure could. This actually kind of reminds me a bit of a book that I was reading, "The Color of Distance." It wasn't necessarily a uh, a romantic book by any means. It was actually a story about a human that was abandoned and left behind for over 10 years and she was isolated on this planet as the only human and she had to learn to adapt to become one of the uh, indigenous species mm. and the, the hardest thing for her to learn was that they ate their young that they, they were amphibian like creatures they laid eggs that were not fertile and they would eat the eggs and when the eggs hatched, they would eat the tadpole-like creatures. And as soon as these tadpole things grew their hind legs, they wouldn't eat them anymore. That's when they considered them survivable. Then during the flood season, the tadpoles would swim out into the forest and would come back to the village as worker drones. But they ate their young. And it was one thing she could not wrap her head around because as a human, she believed in having one or two children and dedicating years of your life to raising your child. And it was one of the huge mm-hmm. barriers between the species. Right. And and there's going to be some people who are just going to choose not to reproduce to avoid these issues. Yep. If you're dealing with Demixie, I, I, I just keep thinking of something that looks like it belongs in a Geiger movie, though, as the offspring and that sort of mating. <laughs> no. Yeah. Demixie. Which Demixie would tolerate their child being handicapped, having only two arms and two legs. Oh. I can still see it having eight legs, but they are human legs. <sighs> right. Oh. What about courtship? If you accept 
a present from an alien species, is that indicating your willingness to be courted? I mean, how much of their general culture do you need to know before you walk into their their homeland and find yourself knee-deep in marriage rituals that you don't even know about? Oh, uh, that reminds me of Red Dwarf and you know, Lister getting married to that uh, mutant. But anyway. In a lot of cultures on Earth, until there is the consummation of the ma- of the marriage, it's not a marriage. You don't consummate your marriage with this alien being because you perform the appropriate uh, offering of marriage, even though you didn't realize you did it. This could cause a huge interspecies gaffe that could cause them not to have relations with Earth Prime for decades, possibly never. You could seriously offend them. There might be some times where there might not be love, but there might still be physical intimacy. Come on, Trav, take one for the team. (laughs) What? Excuse me? Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) I knew you had it in you. (laughs) No. (laughs) She put the dead rat in your plate. I mean, she's she's hot for you. Just ignore the six eyes and the tentacles. You'll be okay. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Trav, she said take one for the team, and then she said she she knew you had it in you. Yeah, I know. That's not not really, no. No. There was a South American woman who had an ectopic pregnancy, which was where the fertilized egg does not travel down to the uterus. Instead, it attaches somewhere else. It actually got outside of the ovary and the uterus and attached itself to her liver. Oh! And the baby grew to the point where they could actually remove it, and the baby survived. Now, what this means is it is possible, therefore, with the appropriate hormonal support for a man to carry a baby to term. Yep, which is one of the solutions for the ultimate pairing, you know, Superman Lois Lane. He carries the baby to term. Right. (laughs) That's true. Wait a minute. Stop. Stop. What? There's a short story by Larry Niven called Man of Steel, Woman of Kleenex. It talks about the fact that Superman, being that he is super in all aspects, would gut her like a trout. Okay. I, just making sure that's where we were going with all that. Battery is either super fast, he's like, was it good for you? And she'd be like, was what good for me? <laughs> like I said, there are some severe dangers possible with interspecies mating. Yeah. Have we gone over just sheer compatibility? Is sperm compatible with egg? Is interspecies even possible? Lions and tigers can create ligers, but ligers are sterile. They are always sterile. Well, it's like a horse and a mule, and the mules are sterile. Ninety-nine percent are sterile. There are there have been a few cases of of fertile mules. Mule love? Oh uh, no. Which is funny because the the term mule is used for just that. I mean, that is like the. Yeah, but it, it basically boils down to, not to get too technical, it boils down to the number of chromosomes you're comparing. If you've got one creature with, say, 34 chromosomes, and the other creature has 36 chromosomes, when the chromosomes split, you get 35, which is an odd number, which is why they can't mate. That's basically what it boils down to. Which is why human primate doesn't work, because we have, what, 36 chromosomes? Right, and they've got, like, 34 or something like that. No, they actually have more. They have 38. Or maybe it's more. Okay, what? It, but it's something like that. 
Well, outside of the possibility of using super science to solve this, there's always the possibility of using a surrogate. If you just want to raise a child with your mate... And it doesn't necessarily have to be your own. It doesn't have to be a mix of your two genetic materials. Right. It can just simply be that you get a surrogate for the female, let's say the the human side, and you get the surrogate for the demixie side, and you just raise the two offspring as a family, and that's just fine. It just comes down to what the race requires, the species requires for happiness, and what you two require. I can see the human in demixie. Mom, she covered me in web again. Quit doing that to your brother. Don't make me put you two in the friendship shirt. <laughs> Sally, you get the ceiling. Billy, you get the floor. <laughs> Separate corners now, yeah. And by corner, the Mexican kid is up in the corner at the ceiling. Yeah, right. It does mean there are some salacious aspects to, to milling technology you find out in the, in the pathways. What the heck is this, Charles? I don't know. But it looks got plumbing in it. Hmm. Oh, no, it couldn't be. Um... No, my brain's burning right now, thinking what it could be. <laughs> the whole guy says, oh, I know what this is. Well, I've never seen one of these before, but it makes total sense. See, this would go into a demixie, and then the guy would go into here. How do you know that that would go? Never mind. Don't ask that. <laughs> <laughs> How did you even get the concept in your head to put these things to work? And that's the beauty of being a fringeworthy explorer. Is it, it's not... Just mind expanding, it's mind shattering. <laughs> Didn't the Enterprise go into space to meet and to meet and mingle with as many different species as possible? Infinite diversity in infinite forms. And since most of them are actually technically humans anyway, it was not a problem for them to breed and have kids. There was a science fiction book that um my first wife had read in science fiction class in college, and basically the author wrote that mankind was going on in space, which is something new to have sex with. Is it untrue? I mean, yeah, we want to find new planets to colonize, and we want to find new resources to better our own endeavors, but we're looking out there to get something, something. More electric shocks. More electric shocks. (laughs) Oh, Let's not even get into that. Please, let's not. Unfortunately, this is something that I did want to bring up earlier. As far as natural attraction to another species entirely what if it is something fetish related that it may not be a romantic interest in them but more a a kink because it's something different hmm, why do you want me to wear all this leather it's, it's really tight <laughs> it's pinching my snout <laughs> The worst thing, the human going, no, I don't want to spread the peanut butter on me anymore. No, it gets stuck in the chest here. Stop. Leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) Two guys are talking. And the one's like, damn, Slark keeps licking all the peanut butter off before I get to get going. (laughs) (laughs) I think that Amber has a point. There is going to be a certain amount of interest, because they are an intelligent species, experimenting with aliens in all possible ways. And it might not be love, but we're talking about love here, folks. I think we should leave the, the things that exist only for kink aspects, fetish aspects alone. I think a good fetish could go a long way in allowing two different species 
to achieve satisfaction in their physical relationship. I'm seeing a lot of ER visits personally. Just that's that's just me. Yeah. It's- and you're guaranteed in a human slug relationship, you're always the dominant one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. See, the slug, there's no physical danger. So you don't know. And and slugs do have to mate. They are not asexual. We assume that they are sexual beings. So there are baby slugs around. Uh. It, there's no physical danger. It's the fight or flight mechanism. It's due to combat and fear. What if you encounter a species that doesn't procreate sexually? Oh, we were talking the asexual butters and stuff like that. Yeah. Then you have a love of the mind, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. All right. You know, it's it's quite possible for two species that even though they don't have a sexual relationship in the, in the sense that we're talking about, they could make each other feel good physically. I've met lots of girls who actually preferred a good back rub to coitus. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? And frankly, someone who could give a good foot rub, that's marriage material. Ventrally. <laughs> The game of interdimensional adventure from Tri-Dad Games. Antarctica, 2010. A Japanese research team finds a portal to alien and alternative Earths. Only one person in 100,000 has the special ability that lets them use the portal and travel the pathways to infinity. You are this person. You are the Fringeworthy. Fringeworthy is the first RPG of interdimensional adventure across millions of alternative Earths. Fringeworthy is available at TriTag Games at www.tritaggames.com slash fringe.htm. A million million worlds await you. Go visit them. Yeah, you got me thinking about it though. Uh, about the different different pairings. I mean, in the uh, Incursion universe, it's quite possible to find yourself aboard a starship, and it takes a liking to you. Yeah, the ship itself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now Richard has said the Ardana knew is an intelligence, but you know, I yeah, I, I don't know. I wouldn't say it's sentient, but it does have some limited intelligence. It had enough to, because it has cybernetics. It's a living ship with cybernetic subsystems. Yeah. And they dealt with this in the TV series Andromeda, where the ship's computer had a really strong tendency to fall in love with its captain. Mm -hmm. And when he was questioned about that, he said, we give these ships bombs that can blow up suns. And you don't think we're going to want them to love us? What was that, the 60s movie? Demon Seed, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, that was weird. An emerging intelligence might want to experience what it's like to have sex. But that's not love, or it could be love. At what point does, does obsession become love, or vice versa? I don't think it ever does. No. Does love ever become obsession? Yeah. I think it stops being love when it becomes obsessed. Yeah. Yeah. It soon becomes a restraining order afterwards. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> you were talking about Magic Area Bureau 13. Uh, there's potential for, you know, falling in love with something like a pixie. I mean, you're talking about incompatibilities. Size. Yeah, size. You know. Again, the term that, uh, and I, I texted Eric and got the, the term. Let me bring it up here. Premating isolating mechanism. 
parts don't fit. Yeah. Either due to form or size where, you know, it, it's the running joke about, you know, a, a Chihuahua and a Great Dane where, yeah. How does that happen? Oh, yeah, right. Exactly. D&D, there's the race half giants. And you're th- and you just look and you're like, okay, giants are larger, huge, humans are medium, huh? They don't shape change, so you just wonder. It's like, okay, how did this happen? We know what gender had to be what in order for this to happen. And so with Bureau Thirteen, that's enough. Pri- I mean, we've been sticking mostly with Fringeworthy and dabbling in the others. Bureau Thirteen here, we could probably you know go on that for a while, just because you have so many different races involved with the bureau and we and we always and we've done our probably just with me on the podcast three on mixed race teams you know like having supernatural monsters on your team and after a while close proximity you know there's the chance that love may occur okay wait a minute we have an undead on the team yeah she only loves me for my brain things like that you know just <laughs> yeah that's bad well re- yeah i was a little more groaning would have been nice i meant it to be bad let's say you have the human that falls in love with the vampire. There might be fetish for the purpose of feeding. I mean, that might be what gets that vampire off. So there may have to be cutting or a bit of feeding involved with that. It wouldn't be a fetish. It would be something that the vampire would need in order to gain any type of arousal because that's their main driving force. Well, there's a lot of speculation that with vampires that they possibly have a form of magic about them that can delude the senses to thinking the pain of the bite is actually pleasure. Yeah, and yeah, that's what I mean. Enhance. Yes, that's what that what may get them off. As I said, the main driving force of a vampire is to feed. Yeah. Now, anything involving love and sexuality and that's merely a power that they use to draw in their prey. Yep. The vampires and- are first and foremost feeders yep and despite a certain movie you can't get pre- you cannot get pregnant by a vampire they're dead and so is all the little bits of the big kids that's dead too yeah well no <laughs> see we have races in certain other yeah like in D and uh pathfinder the damp here okay they are okay. human vampire hybrids that's true you have the infected vampires versus the cursed vampires and you also have vampires that suck energy. They don't suck blood. It's their vampiric behavior. They're not undead. They just have vampiric behaviors. The actual true Don Juans are really the uh, are the Meller because when they shape change into another species, they're expected to be able to perform appropriately in that culture. And there's lots and lots of worlds out there and cultures out there where they're expected to produce offspring. So either they have the ability to produce offspring when they have shape-changed into that form, or they have to have some kind of a mechanism for collecting uh, the appropriate biological material so that they can deposit it as necessary during the sex act with you know their partners so that they can maintain the masquerade that they're actually doing this. This is from Word of God from, from Richard, and this is going to be in the, in the Savage Worlds book. What Meller do is that they actually clone the female, but one of the clones is human, the other clone will become a Meller. Okay. What generation of Meller? Yeah. They can procreate that way, which is how the old Meller could procreate beyond the vats. Is that true of the infected Meller? 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Of course, they breathe the old-fashioned way. They eat you. And- no, 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 I'm talking about where they are maintaining a masquerade of being a creature of the race on the on the planet they're in. Yeah, I, I imagine that at least uh, at least Master Miller and maybe uh, Great Miller probably have that ability, but after that, it may, it may decrease or may even not even be present in the lower forms. Well, yeah, that's interesting. So you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have you- a question, and I kind of want to go back to what when we first started talking. We said that love can be induced from pheromones, from divine intervention, from potions. What about relics? Being in proximity to a relic or something physical, like an actual item that being oh. close to it induces. Can you give an example? You find a quiver of arrows. They're Cupid's arrows. <laughs> Is that what you're talking about, Amber? Something similar. I mean, yeah. I was I don't have any item in specific, but as an example, say there is a bust of Aphrodite and just being near it or being in the temple or being in a specific location that just being there is enough to create the euphoric feeling of being in love or the want. Temple of Eros as well. Yeah. If you're dealing with with temples, then you are sort of dealing with a form of divine intervention then. If you're talking to some sort of magic device... I mean, you know, some wizard may have his his version of a a roofie in terms of of a magic device. Rex, we're being attacked! Don't you worry, Dolores. Old Rex will dodge your sky pirates. I have you now, Rex. Have I knew I smelled something foul when I passed by Catawonga. Well, my dear, you're going to man that 50 cal on the roof to it. Me? I'm going to do some fancy flying. Man up, Tareem. Rick's Havoc is coming through. Explore the world of the hardwired hinterland. Visit the lands of New Akron, almost Canada, and New Old New York. Deal with Sky Pirates and the natives of Etawanga. It's your new home and your new life. Make of it what you will. The Hardwire Hinterland is a systemist role-playing campaign supplement from Tritech Games. You can use this supplement with any role-playing game rules that you like. Available as a PDF from TritechGames.com. That's TritechGames.com. Come to the Hardwire Hinterlands and let your imagination soar! Curse you, Havoc! You haven't seen the last of me! Yeah, well, the first of you turns my stomach. Hasty lumbagos, Tareeb! Rex, shut up and keep flying. Don't worry, Dolores. I'll keep them flying. Over the hardwired hinterland. What if you're exploring through a dungeon and you come across this relic just laying on the floor and when you pick it up, just holding it 
it makes you feel like you're in love. But if you set it down, that feeling goes away. Yeah, like I said, a magical roofie. I got a science fiction version of that. Uh, you remember the movie Solaris? George Clooney. Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah. Now that one was a little different in what it did. It sort of made dreams come true. But you could take that same ideal, you could take that same setup, and you could say, you know, anyone in orbit around this planet would start to be affected in an amorous way. So, I mean, you, you could go all science fictiony and do something like that. It, it wouldn't have to be divine. Yeah, it's the, it's the love belt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. I mean, there's all kinds of things you could do to induce this kind of feeling. I mean, this could be something that they want. Like we talked about where you have gotten married to somebody because it was required it was either a result of political action, stuff like that. And so you're looking at this alien and you're like, well, I, I need to actually have you know a relationship with this person, but I'm not feeling it. But I go this place and it induces these feelings. And, you know, it's just like Memorix. You know, it's just as good as it as if I come up with them on my own. I mean, that's a decision that they would have to make in it. And they might be happy as a result. Arranged marriages do not always end in love. It's great when they do, but sometimes you end up with just a good relationship with the other person, and that's all you can hope for. Or a tolerable at best. You know, have children and raise a family and hold a household and all that stuff. I mean, if that's all you want, then that can be fine. But knowing that you could go to this place for a time, as long as you're there, you could have these feelings that you wanted, but the other person is incapable of reciprocate but they can do it there might be what what the doctor ordered in any kind of relationship it's the responsibility of each partner to try to do their best to fulfill the other person even if it's for a season i still think that that's still an act of love there's another reason besides love if you come across a race that's dying and needs an injection of fresh material to continue as a race Hmm. they may be setting you up you're the donor so that this race continues on a little bit longer, an injection of, of new DNA when somebody who's where the gene pool has collapsed. One of those things where they're all clones, but they've suffered genetic dilution or loss and they need fresh blood. So, yeah. 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 Oh, wow. Or, or did you guys ever see um, the movie A Boy and His Dog? Yes. With Don Johnson? It's really old. It's very good, yes. That's exactly what they're doing there. Yeah, they they kidnap him and the, and they they're trying to force him to have sex with the women because he's f- the only fertile guy they've found. A boy and his dog is a very good post-apocalyptic s- story. It is explicit. It does deal with a lot of interesting post-apocalyptic questions, and many of which I thought they did a much better job than they did like for example Waterworld, where they also dealt with this possibility of travelers being uh important to renewing the genetic strength of a local community. Right. Yes, Mars needs women. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm a woman. I volunteer. Wait, mm-hmm. what am I signing up for? Well, you know, theoretically, you know, if you're into the UFON you know, adduction things, basically the, 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 the reticulans are coming to Earth, creating hybrids, and then taking them back. Wait till they come near the term, take them out of the body, and take them back to uh, beta reticuli. There's no love involved in there, just, you know, making babies. Right, but once again, we're talking about love, okay? <laughs> well, okay, we're going, getting back to, you know, the magical aspect, the Bureau 13 aspect. I mean, technically, when you're dealing with, when you're dealing with the Fae and the magical things, everybody's compatible, and everybody can have kids with each other in that, in that sense. 
you know, you just need, need the right kind of magic. And there are creatures out there in the Fey world that are just, they exude this, as they say, like pheromones are or whatever. Everybody who sees them wants them. Yeah. Male, female, whatever, you know. They play with that a lot in Japanese animation, too. Mm-hmm. So it's quite possible for you, to uh, either in Bureau 13 or in Fringeware or anything else, to go to a world where you find yourself very, I'm going to say, um, unreasonably attracted to somebody. And as long as that person on the other side is is okay with it, that works out too. A really good example of that is in the Pleistocene novels by Julian May. They have a race which is really, really hideous. But they have this charming ability that they can make you see them as a beautiful woman or a beautiful man, depending upon who they're interested in. And all these people were marrying them, never realizing that they were, in fact, you know, uh, a true monster, even producing children with them. And they were perfectly fine with it. And you could run into that situation quite readily in both Bureau 13 and Fringeworthy. And, and that's a case where the glamour is not making you fall in love with them. It's just they're, they're just really, really gorgeous creatures, as far as you can perceive it's very easy for you then to get into that kind of relationship with them. And then only much, much later do you find out that, in fact, they are totally non-human, totally different from what you expected, at which point then you've got some uh, discussion and... and, Lucy! Yeah, some splaining to do, and you may may find yourself unable to continue the relationship because you feel that you've been misled. (laughs) I keep thinking of... I'm a mog, half man, half dog. I'm my own best friend. My own best friend. (laughs) There's something else about Bureau 13. We're talking about magic and and alien love. We've already discussed the Fae. We've already discussed undead. Beings of the upper and lower planes, because you are going to have either devils and demons seeking redemption as agents or angels coming down on Earth to do a specific thing. In D&D and in Pathfinder, there are the races, well, also even the plane-touched, elemental-based. Right. Like the tieflings and the... Well, Asimar and tieflings, yeah. Well, they're plane-touched too, but they are they have a bit of the Celestial or the bit of the Infernal. Now, we're going to take in case the character that Amber and I made, oh god, it was two years ago now, uh, Saren, the 3,400-year-old half-Egyptian princess half succubus the father was an incubus that tried to oh i'm gonna put a curse on you unless you give me a soul well okay we'll give you this young girl well we ended up impregnating her uh the incubus i believe was named arubre yeah that's what we named him and so that's also possible you have relationships based with a human and something from the upper or lower planes i.e heaven or hell and that would have all sorts of various connotations because the heaven, you would end up, you know, let an angel mating with a human, you're going to end up making an Asimar-type creature. That usually would be one of love, one of mutual love. The lower planes usually, either, you know, they summon the creature and it's a mating like part of a ritual, or... As I said, it could be a, what's a redeemed demon or devil, where they are having to be forced to work with the bureau, and then the interaction appears. 
Yeah, and and don't forget when you go up in up in the New England and Massachusetts, there's a whole lot of people with this in with the in's mouth look. You know, of course, when they hit about forty, they go off in the ocean, and become deep ones. Oh yeah, I play in a Pathfinder campaign, and I'm running one now, my Maze World campaign. I've been reading up on Sorcerer, and they've got all this new thing for Sorcerer. In D and D, it was just you're draconic. Okay, boom, that's your Sorcerer. In Pathfinder, you got all sorts. You have angelic, demonic, devil. You may have a bit of Lovecraftian genetics in you. Night hag, elemental, the four various elements, earth, fire, air, and water, and just all these various new races and bloodlines, and that usually means that somewhere in your past, that race entered into your genetics, and now you have a bit of that. There was a liaison... I mean, they can imply also that it's like you dabbled in it and it got into your genetics, but usually it's along the lines of, no, there was a dalliance in your ancestry that causes you to have these powers now. That would also come up in a Bureau 13 thing. So, I mean, Fey, Undead, uh, Outsiders, Elementals, of course, Dragons, you know, we have the Draconic, all the various Draconic-blooded races... Uh, half dragon and then you know just you know sorcerers so yeah there are a lot of things in bureau 13 that there could be an alien love subplot where you want to be with this being and it is not human but it is of a magical or supernatural nature the cockroach busy watching new york had got lonely sometimes and got on dates you never know <laughs> uh, yeah you want to check out something really cool, you need to tune in to the TriTac Podcast. What's that you say? TriTac? What's a TriTac? TriTac is one of the oldest role-playing companies around. They make games like... Fringeworth. FTL 2448. Hardwired Hinterland. Beach Bunny Bimbos with Blasters. Designed for D20 and Savage Worlds, these games will kick your dice into overdrive. Whether you want to combat the denizens of the underworld, travel the galaxy, get crazy with bimbos, or travel the multiverse and do it all, TriTac has you covered. Go to TriTacGamers.com to see what it's all about. That's T-R-I-T-A-C Gamers.com. And check out our weekly podcast at TriTacSystems.Podbean.com. Or simply enter keyword TriTac in iTunes. You're going to love it. FTL, I mean, as far as making... Okay, we want to be compatible. We want to have a child together. But, you know, I'm a Borcha. Because Mm. human and Borcha, I believe the Borcha was one of the first alien races that humans found once ISCO got out into space. We like your beer. Yeah, it was a distress call that the humans answered, and the humans and the Borsha, they just became so compatible socially. Now, you would know that those races would want to mate, and I believe the race, the genetic manipulators with a very wicked sense, the Krovin could come into play there and say, oh, you want to mate, huh? Okay, yeah, we can work on that. How would you like some extra eyes? No, 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 we just want a human Borsha child. How about a long tail? No, 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 just a human Borgia child. We're fine. And so that could be brought into play as mm. far as the Krelvin could be. And ra- granted, they're a rather mysterious race and hard to find. You know, they don't exactly go out and about, but they would be the ones who would facilitate in that universe if a human, if two races were to fall in love. 
Now, of course, it, it may end up being uh, it may end up being either a chimera, which is basically they do literally give you a human borcha mix, which is you know together in one critter, or they give you something they call a a a, a boarman or whatever. It's actually a, a totally created species they just made up themselves and gave it a brain. And they don't, you know, they need to let you think it's a human Borgia mix. So, you know, you can't trust the Krelvin and what they get, what they give you. Yeah, there's a running joke. My buddy, Brian, my former, it's uh, with Krelvins. <laughs> you want something prehensile? No, no, no. I don't want any prehensile anything from you. No, <laughs> I just want to change my eye color. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, incursion and Shani technology could come into play. And the, and Shani wanted the universe, the children of the universe to sing. They may have lava lamps going and candles burning at the same time. You never know. Well, yeah, you know, it's like, but they want, they wanted cooperation too. And yeah. they, and they said, and when they didn't want to sing, the Anshani used psychology to make them sing. So, you know, the Anshani would have had some type of facilitation for uh, interspecies mingling yeah. because they would want the children of the universe to be together. Yeah, well, they also did by, I think, spreading the wealth. I mean, you know, humans are galactics in genetic structure. You know, basically, they made a lot of humans, and they spread them all over the place. You know, the Constepanor are basically humans, the home of species that is shiny planted on that world and made appear. They all can find archaeological and anthropological evidence that they evolved in the world. Trouble is, the Ashani's busy fiddling with them, so of course they're going to appear. And, of course, they're going to be compatible with each other because that's what the Shani wanted. They wanted them to be compatible. Yeah. The Shani had billions of years to play around with this stuff. The Shani also, these other races, like mm-hmm. the, the Stick race and, uh, yeah. and the Kudala and the Daimu and mm-hmm. the Nelgak and the Yaznir, and you can tell that Shani, that Incursion was my gateway game to Fringeworthy or to, mm-hmm. to Tritac. Mm-hmm. The Anshani would have made devices where all of these races could connect and mm-hmm. the stuff could be done. We're talking about love and alien love and love that cannot be spoken. But what about the forbidden love? I'm kind of thinking, what about religions and other species and their religion forbidding their love? Or just their species as a whole disapproving and discouraging their love. Romeo, Romeo. We talked about that earlier, that a lot of religions, the Mm -hmm. more fundamentalist aspects of whatever religion it would be would be the ones that would be, okay, just no. That, those two, no. They're going to have kittens, Trav. They're going to, this is going to be a jihad for some of them. (laughs) It's going to be the tazeel. It'll be a crusade. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I'm saying it's it, if anything's <clears throat> be fundamentalist and in, in say no, 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 no way. It's going to be the Dazeel. <laughs> Only the best of the best lives to return to the village. Dazeel mm-hmm. says up shop in uh, Alice Springs. That's going to be a problem. There'll be all these humans out there help, trying to help the critters back to the, back to the Zeal village in, in Alice Springs. You know, you know it's going to happen. Save the Zazeel groups be out there interfering with the with the kids and everything. Unless they go home to legs in the sacred hatching ground. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm just saying that the Tazeel are gonna be the Uber f- fundamentalists in this regard that 
they're going to draw the line at interspecies because it would be a dilution of what it is to be to zeal. Yeah. Oh, you mean them themselves would would, would be would be oh, I gotcha. They would be the ones not happy about that sort of relationship. Yeah. And then there's finally going to be the situation where you have these super evolved beings that are nothing but pure thought and energy. They're going to say, you know, all these problems you're talking about is just because you're not evolved enough. You just need to be able to lift to the point where you become pure mentality, and then we just merge our minds to a telepathic link, and we all can be one with each other and fulfill all of your deepest desires, you know, just because we are completely compatible now because we're just minds. The bodies are unimportant. It's just the minds. You must evolve yourselves. You know, you must, uh, you know, uplift yourselves. Now that you're intelligent, let's start getting rid of all those useless appendages and let's start doing things to free your mind. And let's add in some genes having to do with telepathy and other type things. You'll be uplifted in a free-range mind in no time. But... The Squire of Gothos, uh, Tremaine, he was not Q. He's a, he was a totally different energy being who didn't form collectives. The Organians are energy beings also. And they stay away from the Q. So it's like you have all these different energy beings who all say, we, you know, you have to be one, but not like them. It's called tribe mentality, or in-grouping, as they like to call it. What about culture? What about Okay, you are an alien, I'm a human. I've fallen in love with you, you've fallen madly in love with me. And we're getting along great, things are going fantastic. And then we start encountering cultural barriers where, say, for you, maybe, it is culturally preferred and something that you uphold to that your partner be unbedded before. But I've been with other people before you does this pose an issue does this is this something that is a deal breaker in the love at what point can society's expectations of their, their modicum of expectation and ritual of their courting or of their love change how you view your own ideas of what love is well i think you're looking at a case-by-case basis there still going on today unfortunately just with interracial it was just culturally not acceptable Mm -hmm. just to bring home black and white people today it pretty much accepted but back in the 50s and 60s you did that oh hell no it just did not happen you were ostracized you just were shunned by your own people because, you know, a white, like a white girl in the 60s bringing home a black man. Oh, that did not happen in any way, shape, or form. Oh, dude, it went both ways. Well, yeah, yeah. No matter whether you're playing Fringeworthy or you're playing Bureau 13 or Hardware Hinterland or Incursion 1 or 2 or FTL 2448 or any other game that you might want to play, the possibility of love is there for your character in the myriad of forms it can take. And we just want everyone to know that it's worth the journey, it's worth the trouble to find that special someone. And we hope that this particular podcast has helped you see some of the issues and encouraged you to press on and go where no man has gone before. And with that, thank you. And we'll see you next week. This is Bruce Sheffer, 
saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. This is Amber. It's all fun and games until the DM rolls a one. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at Tri-Tech Games. And if you don't, We'll be after your sorry butts, cause we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern.